This morning we're, we're, we're titling our message, Filled with Anticipation. That's what we're talking about today. And uh, how many of you, growing up in your house, uh, Christmas presents did not appear under the tree until after you went to bed, Christmas Eve, right? Right? How many, how many of you, Christmas, as soon as December started, presents started appearing, right? My family, it was presents were there the entire month um, as a taunt and a temptation uh, that you had to restrain yourself and you could not open the presents. But what would you do to every single present that was there? Yeah, there's something in there. There's something in there. You would, you would, you would shake it. You, and, and then it, it doesn't really occur to you when you're a kid that shaking something that's wrapped vigorously, um, you don't really always register that you could break it. Um, but if you, broke, if you broke it in the box, it probably wasn't going to last that long after you opened it anyways. But inevitably on Christmas Day, you end up with some tears, uh, some unhappy faces um, because... You know, you open presents, right? You, you open presents and you, you want to see what's in there. And I don't know, for any kid, if there is any present worse than socks. Yeah. And you get that, you get that sense of disappointment when you're a kid. What do you do? You, you, you open it up, you're like, socks, right? All right, Next. That's exactly what you do. And so you get your next present. You get your next present. You open that up, right? Because now you just got through the socks, so you know the bad stuff's over. And so you open the socks, right? And what is worse than socks? Another pair of socks. So you put that box away. But now you're getting a little leery of the gifts, aren't you? You start to not trust them. So you're slowing down a little bit. When you can't start, when you can't trust your presence, you get a little worried, don't you? And if you get disappointed in your presence, often enough, Christmas doesn't become exciting. You're not all that happy about it. What are you? You're just, you're leery of it, right? Now, you heard me, I told you about my crazy Aunt Glenda and her presence that she sent me. Have I told you about my Uncle Sammy? My Uncle Sammy was incredibly um, practical, in his gift giving to the um, to the male cousins, to the female cousins, he was incredibly weird um, giving presents. Like one year, the guys uh, we all and there's there's like like five of us, five 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 boys that uh, we got like a, a screwdriver pack, right? Because uh, my, my uncle Sammy was single, um, he has two kids, but um, they, they divorced, so they weren't with us at Christmas, and he would come. He was the, I, I love, I love Michael Sammy. He was always interesting. Um, he was the guy that would come to family Christmas dinner with a Tupperware, because uh, he was taking food home, <laughs> right? That's what he was going to do. He's coming, he, and so he would, so the year that I got, um, that we, that we got uh, screwdrivers, I got a pack of like 12 screwdrivers, which is incredibly a, a wonderful, useful tool to a 15-year-old, um, but that's, he, but we all got the same thing. So whether you were, you know, 18 like my brother or, you know, 14 like my cousin, you got the same present. But so for the girls that year that I got screwdrivers, they got these, um, they got, they got, he bought them slippers. Bought them slippers, but they weren't just regular slippers. They were slippers that looked like giant monster feet with claws and everything. So 18 
to 12, didn't matter. Everyone got the same. So when Uncle Sammy gave us presents, we were always a little leery. One year he gave me a flashlight. I still have it, actually. I mean, I've had that thing for like 25 years. Uh, But it's always interesting. And when we get disappointed often enough in the gifts that we receive, we stop looking at them with excitement, and we start looking at them with curiosity. We start looking at them with suspicion. And we start even maybe leaving some of them unopened because we're not really ready to see what it is. We're not really ready to be disappointed again in what's in that box. That's exactly the opposite of kids, isn't it? Adults get disappointed and it sticks. With kids, they open two boxes of socks. What are they going to do? They're going to throw the socks to the side and they're going to move on. But as we get older and we get disappointed more and more and more, it builds up, doesn't it? It gets a cumulative effect on us. You know, this time of year is always interesting. Everybody has their uh, own little traditions on Christmas movies that they have to watch. Uh, one of my favorite movies and one of my, my favorite Christmas movies to watch is um, Scrooge with Albert Finney. Uh, it's the, yeah, there we go. We got some back there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, it doesn't, we haven't watched it yet. Um, but I don't know if you've ever watched the, the, um, the Christmas story from a kid's perspective. It's a little terrifying, right? All the, the spirits of Christmas, they're, they're not fun, right? The, the Christmas, the, and that's not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a good, but I, we haven't watched it yet because it's a little scary for Bennett. So when he goes to bed tonight, we'll watch Scrooge uh, so I can get the, yeah, the thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. You guys have seen this, right? Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's good. It's good. But all these Christmas movies have the same thing. Merry Christmas, White Christmas, that's one of Heather's favorite. The Santa Claus, A Wonderful Life, Elf, Miracle on 34th Street, Polar Express. I saw that for the first time this week. Yeah, I've never seen the Polar Express. I got to tell you, the animation, still, it's still creepy to me. Um, it's, still, it's still weird looking. Uh, but here, they all have the same kind of theme, don't they? All of these movies have the same kind of theme. You have to have hope. You need to just believe. A miracle will happen. Just believe a miracle will happen. And it's one of those things, it's big, it's a big theme for the year. It's a big theme for the season. Just believe. Just believe and something great will happen. But where do almost all of those movies start? They almost all start with some kind of disappointment. I mean, who doesn't remember the Santa Claus with Tim Allen where they end up at Denny's for Christmas dinner? Yeah, they didn't have anything. It starts with some great disappointment. George Bailey, hugely disappointed with his life. Disappointment was a part of each and every one of those movies. But here's the thing that we as adults have learned. Life's not like a movie, is it? See, in the Christmas movies, they always end up coming out on the positive, don't they? The disappointment's always turned around and everything uh, works out okay. But, you know, in our mind, it doesn't always work that way, does it? You know, the Bible's filled with people that are disappointed. They're filled with people that were disappointed. Uh, think, think about Abraham and Sarah. 
when they heard, when the angel told them they were going to have a baby, what, what, what did Sarah do? She laughed. What was she doing? She was covering her disappointment from not having a baby yet. She wasn't really believing what the angel said. The, the Bible's filled with stories like that over and over again. You know, I was thinking about the story of Mary in Luke chapter 1. Now, we don't have to go through the whole thing, but I just want to read a portion to you. It says in, in verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One will be, called, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who, said to, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. You know, I think there's a reason that uh, God selected a young woman because that cumulative effect of long-term disappointment wouldn't have been as heavy. Kids and teenagers, young adults, they are filled with hope and belief of great things. But when we've been disappointed over and over and over again, when we hear a great promise, what do we do? We hear it, we listen to it, and we say, okay, God, I believe you can do it. But then we ask the question, but what if? But what if? What if it doesn't happen? What if we don't get what we expect in the present? We'll just be disappointed again. We don't get our hopes up. We don't believe. That's why those Christmas movies resonate so well with us. Because even though we've been disappointed time and time again, I think at the very core of who we are, we want to believe. We want to have hope. But we've been told over and over, don't get your hope up. Don't count your chickens before they're hatched. Don't count on it. We've heard that over and over again. I was reminded of a story in 2 Kings about another woman that was going to give birth. You might not be familiar with it. It's 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. I just want to share 
portions of it. It's the story of the Shunammite woman. Starting in verse 8, it says, One day Elisha went to Shuman, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put him in a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay for, with us whenever he comes. Now, that's not insulting uh, back in that day and age to put a room on the roof. That was actually a, a polite thing. She replied, I'm sorry, one day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her. And she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my people. What can be done for her, Elisha asked. Gehazi said, she has no son and her husband is old, which means that soon she will be out on her own. She'll be desolate. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her, and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will have a son in your arms. No, my lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. Really, what she said is, please, man of God, don't get my hopes up. This is something she needed, something she wanted. A gift that could only come from God. And she said, whoa, whoa, I've been disappointed before. And I don't want to be disappointed again. But the woman became pregnant. And in the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son. Just as Elisha had told her. Then one day, the the child grew. And one day he went to his father, who was with the reapers, And he said to his father, my head, my head. His father told a servant, carry him to his mother. Most like most dads do. Uh, Go see your mom when you're not feeling good. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. Then shut the door and went out. She called to her husband and said, please Send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go see the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today? He asked. It is not the new moon or the Sabbath. That's all right, she said. She saddled the donkey and said, and said to her servant, Lead on, don't slow down for me unless I tell you. She didn't tell her husband that his son had died. She just said, we got to get this fixed. And so she went out in search of Elisha. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, Look, there's the Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? She said, everything is all right. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord, she said. 
Didn't I tell you, don't get my hopes up? Elijah said to his servant, tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you meet. And if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Could you imagine the disappointment that this woman was feeling? The heartache. Elisha promised her a gift. And even before she had seen anything of the gift, she said, don't get my hopes up. I've been disappointed. And that disappointment was much more severe than opening up a box of socks. She didn't have a son. She didn't have a child. But Elisha insisted that she would receive this gift. And she did. She did. I think the disappointment and the pain would be magnified to have received that gift that you have always wanted and then to watch it die in your lap. And when we get disappointed over and over and over again, we can oftentimes stop believing and trusting and desiring for the greater gifts that have been offered. And when this woman's son died, she could have just said, I told you, I didn't want to get my hopes up. She could have even just spent her entire life with her son, waiting for the moment she would have lost that gift. We do that sometimes, don't we? We're waiting for it to all go bad. That way, we protect ourselves. We don't believe. We're not excited. Bad things happen all the time. This woman lost her son. The gift that she had said, don't get my hopes up. And Elisha gave it to her anyways. And when that son died, she didn't just go into a spiral of despair. She went to the only place that she knew could fix the problem. She went to the man of God. And this is the faith that she had. She wouldn't leave the man of God until he came. It wasn't just a casual, hey, I need something. It's I'm not letting go of the promise that you gave me until I see that promise come to pass. I'm not letting go of the promises, the gifts that you gave me until I hold that gift in my hand again. That's the opposite of letting disappointment compile, isn't it? That's still living a life of faith. So here's what it tells us. Uh, Elisha's servant went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So the servant came back to meet Elisha and told him, the boy has not awakened. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hand to hand. As he stretched himself out on the boy, the boy's body grew warm. 
Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. Then the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned his servants and said, call the Shunammite. And he did. When she came, he said, take your son. She came in and fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. You know, we get disappointed anticipating things because we oftentimes are anticipating the wrong things. When we are anticipating the things of this world, we will get disappointed. When we are anticipating the things of this world, we do get disappointed because man will fail us. Man will fail us. Your next door neighbor is going to disappoint you, even though you've talked to them about not parking on your grass ten times. Your employer is not going to be able to provide everything that you need. That family member that you can't trust or rely on is going to disappoint you again. When we put our trust in the things of this world, we will be disappointed. The Shunammite woman had put her trust in God. And even in the midst of severe adversity and extreme disappointment, she continued to believe. She continued to trust. But that's the exact opposite of what the world tells us to do. The world tells us to give up. Stop believing. Stop trusting. That way you won't be disappointed. That way you won't be disappointed. Romans chapter 8, I want to read it to you out of the message. I don't use the message often, but I love how Romans chapter 8 verses 15 to 25 talks about Jesus, talks about waiting. This is from the message, so if you're reading in a different translation, it's going to sound a little bit different, but the language in the message is a little more flowery. It's a little more poetic. So starting in verse 15, it says, This resurrection you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a child like, What's next, Papa? God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who He is, and we know who we are, father and children. And we know that we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ go through, what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with Him, then we certainly are going to go through the good times with Him. That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. The joyful anticipation of what God is going to do deepens. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pains. But it's not only around us, it's within us. 
The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We also feel the birth pains. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us. Any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in our waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making our prayers out of wordless sighs or aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, and knows and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Anticipating what God will do deepens our joy. It deepens our joy. So here's the question this morning. What gift from God have you been fearful to open? Think of Mary. Angel appears to her. Says, your son is going to be the savior of the world. The son of God. Now, obviously, she was aware of the miracle when she became pregnant because she knew she was still a virgin. But I imagine that there's still that sense of doubt and concern and fear that builds because that's a pretty tall order to be the mother of the Savior of the world. And we've all seen and heard of those being disappointed And we get worried. And so we see the gifts that God's offered us. And we don't open them. Because we don't want to be disappointed. We don't want to be let down again. But that's the exact opposite of what the Word of God tells us, isn't it? The Word of God tells us, don't just believe. That's the the Christmas movie, just believe. No, the Word of God tells us, trust God. It's not the power of positive thinking. Our faith is found in the creator of the world. So it is backed by he alone that can do all of the things he says he's going to do. The waiting does not diminish us. It enlarges our joy because you know and I know he who created the world in six days, if he can create the whole world in six days and it takes us a couple of years or even longer to see a promise of God come to fulfillment, how grand must that promise be in our lives if it took more than six days? If it takes years, we can deepen in our joy because we understand that God's presence were meant to be open so that we we could rejoice and celebrate with all of creation about the great works that he will do in our lives. You, 
Here's what uh, John chapter 16, verse 20 to 22, it says. It says, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. The pain that we experience in our waiting, in our disappointment, will be turned to joy when the promises come. Verse 22, it says, So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. This morning, I wanted to tell you, the wait may be long, but it will be worth it. And what we cannot do is live as individuals that are fearful of being disappointed, Because when we become fearful of being disappointed by God, it hinders our willingness to place faith in his promises. The gift that he gave us at Christmas is greater than anything we could ever anticipate. We should be filled, as it said there in Romans, with expectancy. We should be filled with anticipation at what God is doing in your life and what God will do through you, in you, for you. God has your best interest in mind. God wants to see you flourish. That is the gift that he gave us at Christmas through his son, Jesus Christ. He gave us the greatest gift, which is that full life shaped and modeled and molded by him. We wait for that full deliverance, as it said there in Romans. We want to see it come to fruition. We want to see it come to pass. And our waiting does not diminish us. It merely intensifies our joy of when it comes, of when we see it. You've talked to people before. Maybe this is your own life experience. You hear of people being healed. We've had... Uh, since I've been here the last 10 months, we've, we've prayed. We've had a half dozen different confirmed healings, um, just amazing touches that people have experienced. Uh, actually, very shortly after I got here, we prayed for a gal that was in, in the country. She was in, from Africa to be healed. Of breast, she, she was coming for breast cancer treatment, but she was healed of that. We, we've, had, we've, had, we've had stories like that over and over again of people that have been healed. Miraculous touches, relationships restored. Christmas is a hard time when there's brokenness in us. But Christmas should be a time that we have hope. That we do believe. But not just like they say in the Christmas movie, believe it's all going to work out. But that we believe that God is doing something for us. And that maybe the pain we're experiencing are birth pains. And the pain will be washed away with the joy of the promise that God has for us. That's the message for this Christmas I want to encourage you with. God has a gift for you. 
It's his son, Jesus Christ. But it's a bigger life than the one you've accepted. And this morning, if you're dealing with disappointment, if you're dealing with being let down, believe again in what God can and will do in your life and be transformed by the hope that is birthed by a deepening faith in God.